Welcome to Advent Christian Voices with the Renewed Church Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Reynolds, and I'm joined by everyone's, well, most everyone's favorite communications director slash church health guy, Grandmaster Flash, Justin Nash. What up, Jay Nash? Not much. I think you probably got that right. I'm not everyone's favorite, but maybe a couple of people. Most people, I think. And we are seeking to lead the discussion while providing practical advice on church health among Southern Baptists. Uh, no, that would be incorrect. Oh, oh, um, Presbyterians? Uh, once again, that's maybe the safe third time's a charm. Advent Christian churches? There you go. Boom, shakalaka. All right. So, Justin, do you know what we're talking about today? I do, I do, because I picked the topic today. <laughs> you did pick the topic. Um, so we are talking about why people are saying it's such a bad thing. Meaning, when someone comes to the pastor or the church board or Justin Nash and say, hey, people are saying, we're going to illustrate, or really, you're going to illustrate for us, why that is a bad thing. Yeah, I think everybody knows what I'm talking about. You, you may not have been at your church quite long enough yet to have this start happening, but pastors and board chairs and, and people in leadership in the church get this all the time. Somebody comes up to you and says something to the effect, well, people are saying blank you know we don't like people are saying they don't like the way that you're doing this or people are saying that you ought to be doing this differently or uh, i had a lady come to me one time and uh, she was upset um, said people are saying they don't like the way the food is being put out at our potlucks at our church dinners and so you have that all the time and 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 some of it you know that was just a kind of a silly simple thing but you get it all the time where people say things and, and some of it is, is quite a, talking about quite important things in the life of the church. But I, my contention is that is always bad and it should be nipped in the bud and, and corrected right away. You, you can't let that run. Mm-hmm. So your first reason for it being bad is what? Well, number one, I would argue it's simply unbiblical, at least on three counts. Number one, it, it violates Matthew eighteen fifteen through seventeen, where whoa 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 we omit Matthew eighteen in our Bibles in the Advent Christian churches. <laughs> oh, you, I'm sorry. I, I thought I'd quoted something something wrong there for a second. No, but it's the it's the church discipline uh, section in Matthew eighteen where Jesus said, if someone offends you, if he sins against you, what is the first step? Mm -hmm. The first step is not go tell Eric to go tell the person. Mm -hmm. The first step is you go to that person. Mm -hmm. Now, if you can't get, get things, if you cannot resolve things, if there's not appropriate satisfaction to the issue, then you can bring other people into it. But at no point are you anonymous in this process. Right. And so for people to do that, when they, say, when they go and they say, well, people are saying, and they're hiding behind that an- anonymity, it's a clear, direct violation of Scripture at that point. It's interesting, Matthew eighteen twenty, which people like to, to, to quote all the time, where two or three are gathered together in his name, that Scripture. Most people fail to recognize that's not in the context of worship. That's in the context of church discipline. And so we really... in need to learn how to speak to each other lovingly in correction. And this is, people are saying is never going to get that done. It's just not. 
Well, it's like you want that portion of Matthew 18, but you don't want the rest of it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Um, By the way, um, Christ is always in the midst of us, regardless of how many of us are gathered together. Yeah, that was the other thing. Like, if I'm by myself, Jesus is still here. So. Yeah, well, it's the, and just to clarify for those who might not be as familiar with the passage, simply, that's an encouragement by Christ to say, in the midst of you doing all this stuff that's really uncomfortable, that no one likes to have to do, I'm there with you. It's an right. offer of encouragement. So. Yeah. Yeah, the, the second reason I would I would say it's unbiblical is I think it violates the golden rule. Doing others as you would have them do unto you. You know, it doesn't say, despite what a lot of people think, do unto others as they do unto you. That's not what it says. It's eye for an eye. Right, right. It's no, it's do you know, treat other people the way you would want to be treated. And so when people are engaged in this kind of behavior, I feel pretty certain they wouldn't want other people talking about them and treating them in the same way. And so it's really just a violation of the golden rule, I think, as well. So kind of and kind of the third point is that I, I think it it violates the, the greater law of love, the, the numerous calls we have in Scripture to love one another. Because bringing complaints or concerns in this anonymous manner, it's an, it's an intensely selfish act because it seeks to deny any responsibility for the words that are being spoken. It's, it's not an act of love. It's at best an act of cowardice and at worst an act of malice. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just really unbiblical, at least for those three reasons. There may be more, but I, I feel like at least those three, and those ought to be adequate to not do it, to say we, you know, we really can't tolerate this. We really need to correct this and, and initially when we see it, when it, when it happens, and, and this is why. It's primarily, most importantly, and if there's no other reason, because it is unbiblical. Mm-hmm. Now, what's your, what's your next reason? Well, I mean, I think it's, it's ultimately corrosive to the body of Christ. Um, for one thing, it creates distrust. It, it, when you have gossiping and backbiting, it, it dissolves trust with others in the body of Christ. Again, this whole idea of anonymity, it, it just breeds secrecy, and that creates distrust. You start wondering, well, who, well, who's saying it? And then you start conjecturing because you, and a lot of times you probably conjecture uh, accurately. I, I think it's been my experience when I've run into this. In a lot of cases, the person who comes up to you and says, people are saying, well, they're actually the people that are saying. They just happen to be trying to hide behind other people. So there's a real dishonesty to it, even in that regard. Mm-hmm. And so it's really easy for, for pastors and leaders to get to a position where they, they're just really distrustful of everybody because they don't know who's saying what. And, and that's just, that's the way the world operates. That's not the way the body of Christ is called to operate. And so having that kind of, of distrust is, is just really corrosive to the, to the overall health and well being and love in, in a body, mm-hmm. in a local church. So, um, and as a result of that, I mean, it creates disunity in the body. It, it can really easily deteriorate into an us versus them mentality. Um, so I think, and I've not been in the military, you have, and so you might comment on this, but I think one of the things that the military does in basic training is they try to depersonalize the enemy. 
so that you're not you're not seeing a person over there you're seeing a combatant you're seeing uh, some somebody to be killed or destroyed but not a person and anonymity creates that same sort of faceless nameless impersonal enemy so that suddenly we're fighting one another in the church with this this com- kind of destroy mentalities and rather than seeing each other as people we love we see each other as adversaries towards one another um, rather than recognizing we do have an adversary um, and that's one's all we really need because he's pretty powerful and so we don't need to make adversaries of one another and when people hide behind this people are saying it really creates disunity when that happens I think and so I don't well, I think I think it's just so easy, Justin, to see see this play out in every single church where you have different power groups throughout the church, and you have people who are trying to get board positions or trying to get here or there, or trying to get into the ear of the pastor or other people, so that they can control things, and they try to, like you said, dehumanize what they perceive. They wouldn't articulate it as an enemy, but that's really how they're acting. And when you do that, it makes it a lot easier to try and take those people down. Um, And this reminds me of a sermon application from a couple of weeks ago that I had um, in John three, when you see um, John the Baptist talking about the light of the gospel and the light of Christ and darkness and just kind of sharing with people like anonymity when if you're not in Christ, you're wanting to avoid that light. You're, You're not wanting to expose your works to that light. And likewise, for those in the, in the church, if you're truly consumed by Christ, then all of your works, you're not going to want to hide behind the idea of what people are saying. You're not going to want to be anonymous because you want to expose that those works to the light of the gospels that all can see um, because it's your works are pointing to Christ and not your own selfish gain. Right. No, I think that's a great point. It's probably even another, it could be a point all by itself that, one of the reasons people do say the hide behind this people are saying in this anonymity is because they don't want to own their words. Mm-hmm. And if you don't want to own your words, I think the question you have to ask is, well, why don't I want to own my words? Is there something, it may be an indication that there's something wrong in the words you're speaking or the way in which you're speaking them. Well, it's a lot easier to be ugly to people when you can be anonymous. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. The internet proves that. Yeah. Right? I mean, Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the third reason that people are saying is, is such a bad thing and, and so corrosive is because it gives church bullies extra leverage. Mm-hmm. And I, I know this, I'm not every church probably, ha, probably doesn't have bullies in it, but I think, you know, there's people that are just constantly kind of stirring the pot and trying to leverage and throw around their weight and their authority to have things their way and get things like they like them. Ideally, you know, a church wouldn't have those, but the reality is they are present in a lot of churches. And you have you can have multiple bullies, and sometimes you just maybe have one, and they they're kind of the people who are really in power if you get mm-hmm. to it, and they make the decisions. And this people are saying it just really gives them extra leverage, so they can, can they can really just work in the shadows and and not not own anything because they put other work people to do their dirty work. I mean, it's like they're, they, they have an attack dog that they sick on somebody. And so they, they do that. And it really, and it just allows them to get stronger and stronger. And it, particularly if you're a pastor or a board chair, 
if you constantly give into this, or really even if you give in, once you give into it the first time, they've kind of got their hooks into you. And then every time you do it, they continue to get their hooks deeper and deeper and deeper. And you may not see it and you may not like it, but the reality is a lot of, a lot of pastors, a lot of board chairs, deacon chairs, whatever, they just really become puppets mm. because they are so controlled by these people and this idea that people are upset, whether people really are or not. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's uh, it really it gives bullies a platform that just allows them to do their work in, in, a, in a much more significant and de- even deadly way because they don't have to own it. They cannot. They have plausible deniability the whole time. Now, if someone's listening to this and they might be one of those people who say people are saying, mm-hmm. um, or maybe they're trying. Maybe they're curious and they're questioning their motives of like well, am I the bully? Like maybe they don't mean to be, you know, Mm -hmm. or maybe am I the one that's saying some of these unhelpful things? Do you think that there's like maybe a test or a gauge that they can use to say, oh, I I do fit in that category or maybe I should test my comments based on, is there some sort of litmus test? Yeah, I don't, right. That's a really good question. Obviously it goes back to the motivation, why you're doing it. And I think the only the, the only real suggestion I have there was is maybe two twofold is number one to prayerfully look at scripture mm-hmm. and just seek God's guidance in it. Is this is this appropriate? Am I acting in an appropriate way? Um, was that is it Psalm is it fifty one? I think search me, O God, know my heart, try me, know my thoughts. No, it's one thirty nine. I think and. Um, and so you, so you pray that prayer and you look to scripture. And I think the other thing that's maybe appropriate to do is ask somebody else, you know, somebody you trust and, and not a, not a yes man. Cause everybody's got those people. They'll say, Oh no, you're fine. I mean, somebody that will really shoot straight with you. Um, I think those are two things you can do. Um, chances are though realistically if people are thinking that they're not doing it you know what i mean yeah yeah. yeah if they if they have that kind of self-awareness they're probably not going to be doing this anyway mm-hmm. so but um there's certainly are a lot of people have hidden behind this and mm-hmm. and, I, and again I, I don't think people always have evil motives or bad motives right they're just trying to you know the lady at the potluck she just wanted her stuff put out early and and so so it wasn't really a bad motivation but um i think it it always goes back to who who are you looking out for are you trying to get your own way are you do you really believe something is wrong that is uh in some way harming the church or harming the name of christ Mm -hmm. Um, because so many of these things come down to personal preference Mm-hmm. And people are just upset because their personal preferences aren't being made without consideration for how they're affecting other people. Mm-hmm. So what are three ways that that one can respond to the statement people are saying? I'd say the first thing is just to disregard it. Okay. Now, though, I, I think you do that, but it's not you just walk off. I think if somebody comes up to you and says, pastor, people are saying, then you're what the next words out of your mouth needs need to be okay well who is it and if they won't say then you just say look um i appreciate you bringing this to me but i'm not really gonna if they can't i, I need to be able to get I'd lo- 
you could go to that person and speak with them to see if there's mis any misunderstanding, particularly if I've wronged them in any way, mm -hmm. I want the ability to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. So I think you explain to the person your reasoning, not because you want to take a shot at somebody or, or fire back at them, but because you genuinely want to have a conversation. And if that person's not willing to do that, then you have to say, all right, well then I'm just going to have to disregard this for right now until they're willing to own their comments. Um, and then we can address it in a proper and biblical way because this isn't, and I just simply can't, I'm not going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's the first way you do it. Now, not that that's super easy, but I do think it gets easier with time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the second thing is, uh, to consider the criticism and it's always criticism. Nobody ever comes up to you and says, pastor, I just want you to know people are saying you are amazing. You are doing an incredible job on Sunday mornings. Like that never happens. Right. Yeah, so yeah. it's always going to be some sort of criticism. And I think one thing you have to do is just have the humility and the self-awareness is it too, is to step back and say, okay, is while it, it may be coming from a mean spirit or harmful intent, is this actually a valid critique? Is this actually a valid concern? And I do think you have to do that. You don't want to just um, brush past it because of the way it came to you. I do think you have to give it some consideration uh, privately um, and, and then prayerfully consider how you should respond or if you should respond to it, I think, secondly. Um, and the third piece of advice is, and this is just for pastors particularly, is don't try to answer it from the pulpit because mm -hmm. you're, you're just doing the same thing with a bigger microphone. You're mm -hmm. just, um, you, you know, if you get for you to get up in the, in the pulpit and go, well, some people in this church are saying blah, blah, blah. Then let me tell you what I think about that's you're just doing the exact same thing. And, and you're just firing back at people. So don't use your pulpit as a place uh, to beat people mm -hmm. and to, to seek vengeance on people. And a lot of pastors have done that, and they've done it to their detriment. So you'd be really careful with that. Um, just in the pulpit, remember you're – and I don't mean – that doesn't mean you can't certainly – preach on certain topics and certain things that may come up and be issues in the church, but you do that biblically, you deal with it in the text mm -hmm. and you, you deal with it with um, humility. And so I think that's really important, but this whole, this whole deal, this people are saying, I've just seen that be such a corrosive thing in churches in so many ways. And, and so I really think the, you know, we have to be very kind of Barney Fife about it. It's just nip it in the bud. Well, if you really care about, I mean, whether you're talking to the pastor or one of the board members or, or some sort of leader in the church, or maybe you're just talking to somebody else. Maybe it's just gossip, right? You're talking to right. somebody else and going, well, people are saying. My experience is that more often than not, when you say people are saying, it's actually you who's saying it. You just right. don't want to put your name to it. Right. And what you're saying is, is you are more important than whoever or whatever you're trying to criticize. And if we learn anything from the Apostle Paul, uh, it's that we are to count ourselves less than those in which we're serving. And if you're the one, it, regardless of where, what your role is in the church, you should always be looking to serve others within the body of Christ. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, go to Philippians 2 and just read, read, that, read that great hymn on, on Christ-likeness and... Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, it's, it's just a great advice. Yeah. 
Well, good. You got any parting shots there, uh, Jay Nash? Nah, just don't be one of those people that say people are saying because it's it's bad for your church. And if if somebody comes up to you and says people are saying, uh, then try to deal with it in a, in a loving uh, but firm way, and don't let it happen because it can be a cancer. Well, Justin, I have some news for you. Yes, sir. People are saying that the upcoming AC Leaders Conference is going to be the best one yet. Well, and I'd like to know who those people are so I can say thank you. Um, so if you'll tell me who they are, I'll, I'll say thank you to them. They're, they're me. I'm, okay. I'm saying that. <laughs> so thank you, Eric. Yeah, we're excited about it. We're looking forward to our time together in Waymark, Pennsylvania at the end of April. Uh, folks would like to know more about it, you can visit acleadersconference.com or just visit us at acgc.us. And uh, we're really hopeful and excited for the opportunities for leaders to come and develop a real plan for developing new leaders in their church. And that's something our churches uh, really, really need. Hey, I'll just let you know, too, because you helped me get these, the, uh, the new Evan Christian catechisms, the Blessed Hope catechisms. Mm-hmm. We've been using it since I've been at Hickory Grove. Uh, we've gone through, I think, the first six questions in the catechism. And it's taken us about eight weeks to do so. We're pretty much trying to tackle one question per week. And I'll tell you, it takes up a whole hour. It is. It has been awesome to have conversations with people of all ages where um, – we're kind of a lot of these are old truths that they've been taught, but to dig deeper, it's just been a tremendous benefit to so many people. So I encourage anyone um, in their church to to pick those up, and I mean, you can create a Bible study out of it. You can do all sorts of things. So I'm I'm actually about to start writing some devotional material for it for my church, um, and it's just it's fantastic stuff. So thank you for you guys and and all that all the work that you all in the communications department put together that that stuff for us well thanks i appreciate that and i'm really grateful for the group of guys that uh that that put all that together they did tremendous work at, and took a took them a long time and they they did a great job and grateful for them yeah yeah me too everybody, everybody except for andy rice i'm not I'm not as grateful for him. <laughs> i think i think you have to refer to him as president rice now i'm very sorry uh par president andy rice there you go par for the course (laughs) all right uh, hopefully andy will appreciate that well for those of you who are still listening um as they say on pti we'll try and do better the next time um and uh we'll talk to you soon